Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the first ever episode of Horse Hour podcast. It's really exciting to do this because the Horse Hour community have been great on Twitter. You've all been tweeting each other, giving each other feedback, asking questions. And basically, you've built this amazing equine equestrian community. So we thought for the first podcast, we really love the stories that the team at Horse Hour head office have been getting together and listening to your stories. And we thought it'd be really nice to share them. So I've got a lovely, lovely guest with me today, Laura. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We asked you to come on because you have experience from having horses and riding yourself. And you're quite an active user on Horse Hour on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> do you enjoy it? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, it's good. Um, what what do you like about it? I don't know, probably the way that you kind of interact with people from like all over the world kind of thing that you probably never normally would and it kind of brings this whole community in. You get to hear how other people do with their horses, different like techniques that they use and things like that. So So you get so, quite a bit of advice as well, don't you? Yeah, definitely. So we want I wanted to find out about your story because you've got a lovely horse called Paddy P. Yeah. <laughs> He's a little bit naughty. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> what, what, why is he naughty? Um, well, I've had him seven years now, and he likes to buck. He, he's very good at lifting his back legs up in the air when he doesn't want to do anything. But he's very opinionated and stubborn. But what I suppose you... I wouldn't change that. <laughs> you wouldn't change it? No, that's the thing. We never, You know, it's part of their personality, isn't it? We just go Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So let's just go back to, so when you first started riding, you you loaned a horse? I did. I think I rode for probably about maybe seven years or so before, and then my riding school closed down, so I loaned a horse from there. Oh, why um, did it close down? Insurance costs and things. It just got a bit too much, so they, they closed down the riding school bit, but stayed open at the livery yard. That's what's crazy is half of these schools can't afford to keep them running because the insurance, no, yeah. because the insurance goes up so high with the risk yeah, exactly. of having the public ride. Yeah. Um, so they closed down. So you got your first loan horse. And how old were you? I think I was probably like 13 or 14 at the time. And what was it like having your first pony? It was exciting. I remember I left like, because 
The pony I got was actually one that I hated riding on the riding school. I always thought he was really lazy and stubborn. And But then I found out that he hadn't been sold, so I pestered my dad for ages to get him. <laughs> and I remember the first time I went and rode, I like foolishly went on a hack with a friend. And he hadn't been ridden in like a month, but it was just being able to do that without having anyone, you know, without having to have an instructor there or... Mm kind of you could do what you wanted kind of thing it's the freedom isn't it yeah definitely and how long did you have the lone horse for I had him for about three years and then decided to make the move to buy your own yeah so um, I started to outgrow him and he's getting a bit older so we looked into getting a bigger horse myself and decided to and my granddad had actually passed away um, Mm -hmm. and left me some money to get a horse with so we looked into that Oh, that was nice. So nice of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you're you're relatively at this point. You're you've got some experience of owning a horse and riding. Yeah. You're great at riding. What is it that you like to do? Well, when I had my lone pony, it was jumping. He was like a he used to be an ex show jumper, but he just hated traffic and stuff. So that's why he went on to the riding school. Um, so I looked for a horse that I could take show jumping and potentially affiliate in the future oh wow but I guess there's no you you and your parents didn't have any experience in actually buying a horse and going through the process no definitely not (laughs) that's quite a daunting thing to go through because you want to make the right decision because I I, I guess you're spending a lot of money and Mm. you want to make sure it's the right horse is it a forever horse yeah it was looked to be we kind of wanted a horse that I had chance to grow with and we didn't want something too old so that then I could learn with it and things like that so yeah we did want something like long term definitely. So how long did it take you to find the horse that you wanted to buy? Um, I think it took a couple of months it was a lot harder than I think I probably anticipated like Mm -hmm. going through thousands of sites and thousands of horses calling people up to ask questions about the horse knowing what to ask and you get more confident, though, don't you? You get more confident as you're asking yeah. those questions to not be afraid to ask them. And I think that's what's really important is that you are actively a buyer. Therefore, yeah. you want to make sure that the horse is right for you, that it is exactly. what they say it is, that he is healthy, that he can yeah. do what you want to do with him and that he's he's the right partner for you. So that's why asking those questions, I think by the time you've asked them the 10th time, you don't yeah. feel nervous about <laughs> no, asking. yeah, you kind of... You get you write down like a set, and then I think after I've spoke to so many people, that's like, oh, maybe I need to ask this as well. Kind of, you then kind of develop what knowing what you need to know. And yeah, did you take your instructor with you? No, because <laughs> I've learned that that's a good thing to do because yeah. they because we get so wrapped up in the love of them and they look beautiful and I just yeah. love them so much. But the instructor's there then as the sensible head to say, well, you yeah. Know, are they okay? Are they healthy? These are the things that you need to do. And, yeah, and actually, I think it is good to pay your instructor for the day to go and mm-hmm. visit some, like if I, I did it with mine. I took my instructor, Rachel, and we visited four horses in a day, went all traveling mm-hmm. around the country and just said, you know, these were four potential ones. Um, yeah. I had my favorite. And <laughs> she was the one that said, asked all the right questions because I was away with the fairies. I was so excited yeah. about it all. That's definitely something I should have done, probably. I didn't even do it when I got my second one, so... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I clearly didn't learn that much. <laughs> <laughs> so then when you found your horse, then what made you go for a thoroughbred and a thoroughbred mare? I have no idea, because looking back, I'm not 
a mare person. I never, I think I rode one mare that I, I loved at the riding school. Mm. But other than that, it was always Geldings. And I think I just saw her advert and there was something about her. She had like the pretty face kind of thing. But I don't really know why I went for Thoroughbred because like my lone pony was a native and they're a lot hardier and I don't know. I have no idea why, what possessed <laughs> me to go for a Thoroughbred at all. And um, what was she called? Um, she was called Tinsel. Her proper name was something like Ina, which was really weird to pronounce and stuff. Um, and I remember when I called them up and I, it said the name Ina and I had no idea how the hell I pronounced it. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, we call her Tinsel. I'm like, who? I didn't ask about that horse. <laughs> but they said it was, I don't know why she got that name, but it was like, easier to pronounce. So I don't blame them. <laughs> was she based quite close to you? Or did you have to drive far away no she was down in oxford so it's about an hour and a half from me maybe uh, 45 minutes so not too far but mm. still a bit of a distance okay so you found tinsel you fell in love with her and then what yeah. happened um so i went to try her out um and i remember turn of the yard and i'm on i'm quite privileged because i'm on a massive livery yard that's got loads of acres and stuff so when i turned up and she was still out in the field and they were like oh we're just gonna bring her in and Part of me was like, oh, that's cool. Then I could get to see like what she'd like in the field and mm-hmm. see how she, what she'd like to handle. Um, so they brought her in and then they rode around a bit um, before I got on. Yeah. And I really liked riding her. She was very different to what I had before because mm-hmm. um, I came from like a 14-hand little New Forest pony and go into <laughs> a 16-hand thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. A lot different. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. But And I suppose part of me probably took that in and thought oh well it's fine because she's she is different but she seemed nice and everything and I popped her over a few fences and it was like a wintry day it was in February so it wasn't great conditions but she seemed really sweet and and really nice yeah um and so I spoke to my dad and we thought we'd go for it we probably didn't get a second opinion from anyone we didn't go back which is probably in hindsight the stupidest thing ever yeah they used to always always go back because yeah definitely you never know and and it and it, again as a buyer it's okay to go back and it's okay yeah. to take somebody again your instructor with you maybe the second time and almost have a, a mini lesson on them but but not a lesson in in your position but just to make sure that you and the horse bond a well partnered yeah. with each other definitely. and your instructor will find things that you don't necessarily see or if your parents are like mine my parents don't have a clue no, so they just say, oh yeah, he looks lovely. <laughs> but actually he could yeah. be dragging his, his back leg could be broken and they wouldn't know. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely one of those, if you, when you go to, I think because when, it was my first horse I was buying mm. and I think I was so excited that I could finally have my own horse that was definitely 100% mine and kind of overlooked everything else. <laughs> so Tinsel's now yours and what do you do? Just get him in a lorry and take him home straight away? No, we, we went home because we didn't have any transport. Um, so we went home. I think we chatted a bit more and then definitely confirmed we wanted her. And then they actually delivered her to us one day. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Brilliant. And they brought her like a week or two later, something like that. Okay. But you had no vetting? No. <laughs> what, what made you decide to not get the vetting? Uh, I don't know. I think, again, it was that naivety that we didn't really think about that kind of we kind of trusted the people it was like a family and stupidly we trusted them that it was fine and 
that she was fine and they said like you know if anything goes wrong let us know but I don't really know why we didn't get a vetting I don't think we didn't even think fully... about it no and that's the thing we can we trust we do trust we yeah that everything's going to be okay and and what happened when you got her home well um she was in for 48 hours we have like a quarantine kind of thing they have to be stable for 48 hours mm. and then they go out um and I think uh, the first few days I rode her, she was absolutely great. She set, It seemed like she settled in really well, which probably showed on alarm bells, like, how is she so settled? And then I think it was something like the fourth or fifth time I rode her, she was literally hopping lame. Mm. And I, I remember trotting around thinking, there's something not right about this trot at all. And I got off and had someone trot her up and they were like, no, she's definitely lame. Where was she lame? I think it was in, like, her front leg. Yeah. One of her front legs, she was like, she seemed fine, like, walking up and down. That was fine. But as soon as I asked for trot, there was this definite, like, literal hop kind of thing. So she just really couldn't trot at all. Bless her. We left it a few days, kind of see, see if she'll get better. Tried it again, still wasn't. So we got the vet out. And it all escalated from there. Cause the find anything wrong. We went for x-rays, things like that. And they said, you know, you'd be spending thousands of pounds trying to find this issue, but she's not rideable. Oh, no. And they couldn't find out what was wrong with her? No, the x-rays didn't show anything. They did the flexion test, things like that, and they said, you know, the next week would be, like, nerve blocking it. Mm -hmm. But that, it wouldn't be guaranteed. After that, it'd be probably, like, MRI or something. And it just, he just said, like, you know, you'll be spending thousands of pounds. And I was in the middle of my GCSEs, so I was like, I don't really have this time and no. this money or anything. So so it, was she insured? Uh, yes, I think she was insured. Um, we always get them insured, but it would have gone on the insurance a lot. Yeah. And then, obviously, they wouldn't have insured that leg again. And the vet said, like, it doesn't seem that she's rideable. So it would be a bit of a waste of money kind of thing to head down like the route of finding out if there was a cause because they just said there's no way that she could be ridden. She can't put too much weight on that leg or anything. I mean, she was happy in the field and stuff. In fact, she turned into an absolute nightmare. Did she? <laughs> Why yeah. that? What did she do? Um, she was just literally, she ended up being virtually unhandable. Like she, there was a long grass trek, uh, like track to the field. She was mm. out with the ponies and in the end, like, my dad, who had no experience with horses whatsoever, he was the only one that could, that was strong enough to lead her because as soon as she set foot on that grass, she started rearing, bucking, trying to launch off. She was just, like, death, the complete opposite to what I do. That must be heartbreaking for you, though. You've got all the excitement of buying your first horse. It's taken months. You found her. You love her. You've only got her a week. And then you get told that you can't ride her. And then yeah. did you make the decision to keep her? We decided to go through trade and slanders. Everyone told us to go through trade and slanders because it was obvious that this injury had been long-term kind of thing. Yeah. And they must have doped her to when we tried her out and everything. So um, we kind of kept her for a few months trying to go through trading standards and to see if we could get our money back and things like that. But then it, they were saying that we could get our money back eventually, mm. but the horse would go back to these people. Oh, and when no. I point blank refused and said, look, no, we'd rather have the horse and we'll find something to do with her. Um, she's definitely not going back to those people because it would probably just be the same thing again, that they would just dope her again and, and sell her on to, to someone else or... 
you get no so frustrating because that, that basically means your hands tied and you, and you can't yeah. really do anything yeah it was really really hard <laughs> could there there must be ways though that you could you you could take them to court for what they've done and still keep tinsel and make sure that she's got a nice life um I don't know I mean I was a lot I was probably like what 15 or 16 then so I didn't really know too much what was going on I was kind of oblivious in a way to it but um mm. I just know that when when we went through trading standards they said yeah def- there is definitely a case in I mean we tried to contact the people we called them we sent letters and it kept coming back saying they weren't at this address uh. and then my dad actually went over that way he was working and he drove past their house and he was like no they're definitely at that house yeah um, and they were just ignoring us so it's clear that they had obviously done it before maybe yeah they've done we're just trying to avoid it Oh, bless you. So not only have you got all this stress and, and heartache, and now you've got a horse that, bless her, is turning into couldn't. the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it literally got to the point when the only time she came out of that field was if she had the farrier or if she had the vet kind of thing because you just couldn't bring her in at all. So what did you she, do? Um, well, we had her for probably a few... Uh, we had her for a couple of months and then... We spoke with the vet and things like that, and we decided to kind of put her up for um, a loan or or for sale as a broodmare because the vet said there was a potential that she could do that, yeah, like be a companion or a broodmare because she was only six, so she was still really young and had this whole life ahead of her. Um, And I remember that because we thought we're not going to get much money back for her at all, Hmm. Um, and we got this phone call from someone out of the blue saying, "I remember going to go see this horse for a client." Oh. and they found out that she wasn't suitable and stuff. Um, but she put us in touch with another woman who was like interested in potentially having her as a broodmare. Oh, lovely. So that was nice. We spoke to her and she went over there on loan. We took her up and it was a nightmare journey. She was awful to travel. I remember halfway along to Oxford, she we had to pull over because the breast bar had come down in the trailer <gasps> and she just kept getting whacked in the head with the partition thing. Oh. Um, and then when we unloaded her at this woman's yard, she she had cuts all over her back leg. She'd like pulled off her travel boots, and it was a bit of a state. But <laughs> she was really stressed, wasn't she? Yeah, definitely. And I remember when we left her, and she went to them on loan mm-hmm. um, to see how they what they liked her, and they they lunched her, and they said like, I, well, I offered that she could be lunched and stuff, and they said, well, no, we just want her as a, a broodmare. Yeah. Um, and apparently when they tried to clean her cut, she was just rearing the whole time and oh absolute gosh. nightmare. Um, but then they moved her to that. They were setting up another yard their own. And so they moved over there and never looked back, really. She's, she's still with them. So, Is she? Yeah, she's had, I think she's had maybe two foals already, two, maybe three. Um, and I, we went to go see after she had the first foal and yeah. she was like a natural born mother. She was she looked a lot better, a lot happier, so and it was a good decision in the end. No more rearing, no more bucking. No, she was. She's like the perfect little angel, kind of. I've had friends with um with the woman's own mare, and they were both got put in foal at the same time, so they were both due at the same time. And then when Tinsel went to have hers, they separated her. Mm. But apparently, they just went mental calling to each other. So in the end, they just let them be and. They're happy as Larry now, I think. Oh, bless her. So that's it. So she's now got her forever home as a broodmare. Yeah. She's really happy and she's got a lovely life. Yeah, definitely. So it kind of worked out for her. 
just <laughs> not quite how I expected it. <laughs> so, in, and what did you do then? Because obviously, you've, you at the time you're, you're paying for tinsel. Did you yeah. think about getting another horse now that she's settled? Yeah, so we took her up in May. We bought her in February and it was May by the time that she kind of went off on loan. And so we looked at getting another horse then. Obviously, we had slightly less funds than what we did before. Mm. But we did it, well, slightly better than last (laughs) time. Um, And we looked at more horses and and then eventually I got Paddy. And you still have Paddy P now? I do, yeah, (laughs) seven years on. Oh, that's good. And he's done you proud, has he? um sort of (laughs) (laughs) what's his problems well we seem to be having quite a few issues at the minute we we can't even canter very well at the minute which is quite heartbreaking but i don't know we'll see how it goes what's his breeding laura he's a connemara cross (laughs) oh lovely so just went completely the opposite way from a thoroughbred (laughs) yeah And, and so what's his reason for not being able to canter we have no idea i mean when i went to go get him when we went to try him um because I remember, looking back, I remember seeing his advert and it says something at the bottom, like, he booked. Mm. And so I ignored that and I was like, oh, I don't I don't think he's suitable. Mm-hmm. And then my mum found the advert and said, look, this horse, he seems really sweet. He was at Leicestershire, so it was only like an hour away from us. And I don't know if it said on that, ad- if it was the same advert or whether it was different. And it didn't say about him bucking, but we decided in the end to go and have a look at him. And he did book. He was a nightmare for the girl that rode him. He just literally just stopped and booked the whole time. Um, and But then I got on him and he was as good as gold. Oh, wow. So um, I think that swayed my decision a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, he was great for me. So, yeah. I wonder why he was, he was so good for you and not for the other girl then. Yeah, I don't know whether... Because it's weird because now that I've had him, if I let someone else ride him, he automatically stops and he books. And like his, you could see his whole face changes. It sounds really weird, and but he just stops, and I don't know whether he's testing them. But but then I go back to that first time that I rode him, and he was the complete opposite. So I do believe that you have a bond with your horse, and I do believe that there's a connection. And yeah, there are horses that are suited to certain people, and certain people that are suited to particular horses. And once yeah. you have that connection. It's amazing because that you, yeah. you know it's that bond you've got that feeling inside of oh, he loves me. Yeah. <laughs> He'll yeah. throw you off, but he loves me, and that's idiot, all that matters. <laughs> exactly, like he can chuck me off, or he can be like I can come out so frustrated that he's just not doing anything, but then he kind of puts on this cute little face, and <laughs> I can't be mad at him anymore. It's awful, but. <laughs> So he wasn't but, bucking in pain or in agony or there weren't any issues not, with his back or anything no, like that? No, not that we could find. I mean, we got him vetted. We we learned our lesson from last time and we got him vetted, though we didn't have anyone come and look at him. Mm. Um, and when we went to go get him vetted, I was, like, ridiculously ill that day. And the girls at school, so I ended up that our vet actually had to ride him. Oh, wow. As part of the vetting. Vets hate that. So yeah. they told me, yeah. <laughs> Especially because the owner like made him wear a body protector because he could be naughty, and he was a bit like, "Oh, it's fine, whatever." And I'm like, "Uh oh." <laughs> um, but the veterinarian just said he was a bit pigeon-toed. He didn't have like the perfect confirmation, but he was fine. Do what I wanted, and so um, we kind of got him, and he came home. I was actually away on a school trip, and he came. And I remember the first time I took him out for a walk, he started rearing and freaked out in the arena. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. But I think that was 
that was the natural reaction kind of thing because he was in a new place. He'd been stabled for 48 hours and it was all new to him. Like, of course he's going to react. <laughs> well, you must be um, brave then if you can handle this. is the second horse now that's yeah. slightly crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whether I'm brave or just pure stupid, but <laughs> um, he and he loves it. I mean, he's he's out in this massive field, and the first time he went out, he's completely crazy galloping around this whole field, and and he loves it there. But we just don't know. We don't know his whole history. We just know that they had him for eight months or something and couldn't get on with him with his bucking. And mm. before then, he came from a D there and he'd been in a field for two years. Okay, we don't know his full history. So. Seven years later, he's still happy with you, but there's an issue with his cantering. So did that yeah. start from the beginning or has that progressively got worse? Well, at the beginning, I couldn't even trot him around without him bucking. So I can't say whether... <laughs> I think it's I think it's soon that's probably progressively got worse. I mean, we've never... Cantering has always been kind of this scary thing in a way canter so far and then as soon as you push it for more he backs off and then I think probably after four years I would like look I have to do something it's just getting ridiculous because he can just he'll just buck and whatever but we've had like the physio look at him vets and everything and we can't seem to find anything majorly wrong but there's something there (laughs) do you think there's something um within his body or maybe it's behavioral I think part of it is behavioural that he's learnt that if he misbehaves he kind of stops work and mm-hmm. and things. But at the minute like he started going like really well. We pushed past his canter and he started cantering better and stuff. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere he kind of backed off again and he actually chucked me off in a dressage test which Oh no never done. <laughs> so um, well, that's embarrassing, isn't it? With yeah, all the judges it was there. like slap bang right in front of the judge as well. <laughs> But uh, it was like literally his third attempt at getting me off and I think he meant it. So mm. I was like, okay, there's something wrong with him, but no one can find anything. So we don't know. So it's interesting that the vets can't see there's nothing wrong with his pelvis. He hasn't put his pelvis out. He hasn't got any injuries no. on his legs or his back, his saddle. You've had his bit checked. You've, I guess yeah, you've done everything. This year I've spent, I don't even want to know how much money <laughs> I've spent. He's had, um, he, cause he's got like this lump on his stifle. And the vet had already checked it about a year ago and said, it's nothing, don't worry about it. But now I've got, like, paranoid. But he'd had it x-rayed, he'd had it scanned. There's not, it doesn't even show arthritis or anything. And then he had the physio last week, and she said, there's something wrong with him because he is, it can't be fully behavioural that he would still be naughty after all this time. Yeah. But she said that there's light tension in his back and whatever, but nothing that would nothing cause that would him cause to be... It. Crazy, Spain. <laughs> Bless you. Well, I hope you manage to find out what it is in the end. Hopefully. <laughs> I've had such similar experiences to you, Laura. The whole thing from buying a horse to having injuries. When I bought my horse, I always wanted a horse when I was 15. And I used really? to ask my dad for it every year, every Christmas. <laughs> Can Father Christmas please oh, really? Yes, yeah. <laughs> from when I was about four. And, um, oh. and they'd say, no, Father Christmas doesn't bring live animals. <laughs> so when I got to 15, he said, oh, look, Amy, this is the deal. You can buy a horse when you can afford to keep it. Yeah. And I said, okay, that's fair enough. You know, you know that I totally, totally respected that. So at 28, I phoned dad and said, guess what? I've bought a horse. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, do you remember that day you told me that, you know, I could buy a horse yeah. and I can afford to buy it and look after it? And he said, yes I said well I have <laughs> he was like right 
okay. So um, I did exactly the same as you. The only difference is I, I did get a vetting. Yeah. And um, I, I did take my instructor with me because I, I was so naive. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, to be honest. And I still don't have much of a clue now, no. to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so they she came with me and it was amazing. I, I had a, went to see a Frisian cross Gelderlander. So okay. quite a unique breed. He's yeah. black. Um, he was called Jack Daw, and I didn't like that name. So I wanted to change his name. But everybody said to me that if you change their name from what is in their passport, what they're originally called, it's really bad luck. So you yeah, have, I've heard that. Yeah, so you have to keep a section of their name in their new name. So his old name was Jack Daw, so I called him Blackjack. Oh, okay. Because he's black and he looked pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a gelding, and he was amazing. And he passed it, I did a five-stage vetting, he passed it, everything was fine. Got him back to his home. And I couldn't ride him for two weeks because I had to wait for the saddler to come out. So we did a lot of yeah. in-hand work. Yeah. Um, so we, I think we really bonded within those yeah, two weeks, actually. Yeah, like a good idea, actually, yeah. It was lovely, even without the riding. Um, I just, I was there all day, every day. I was obsessed. He was like my <laughs> new baby. Yeah. And um, then the first time I rode him, he was lame. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I thought, when I hacked him out, you know, you take them, you take them in the school when you try them and then you hack them out. When I hacked him yeah. out, he slipped on some ice because it was really icy. Oh, okay. So I thought maybe, maybe that was what happened. He's, he's hurt himself. So gave him a few days box rest and he was fine for the first three months, but he couldn't canter. And ev- yeah, and everybody said to me, he can't canter because he's a Frisian. And Frisians are bred for pulling carts, you know, yeah. and they're not really bred for cantering and they struggle to canter. And that's the reason he can't canter. But the more that I rode him, the more that I realized, actually, he just feels off. He doesn't feel right. So okay. don't you love it when everybody has an opinion? Yeah, oh, it's so helpful. <laughs> oh, God, there's this wrong with him. I think it's his back. I think it's this. Yeah. I think it's the bit. I think he was only, he'd just turned four when I bought him. Um, okay. They they told me his history. They told me where they'd bought that, that he'd, um, he'd, he was a foal, obviously, and he'd been put in a field and then they plucked him out of the field at three and then they backed him. He hadn't okay. done anything. He was very green. So they'd done the walk trot canter. Yeah backing him and that was about as much as he did so I knew that I'd have to bring him on which again was crazy considering I wasn't exactly overly experienced <laughs> but like you I was just like I love him he's so yeah, pretty we'll learn together it's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah and um yeah so then the three months went by and I thought I'm just going to ignore everybody and I phoned the vet quietly and secretly and said I need you to come down and look at him because I think there's something wrong and I don't know what it is the vet couldn't work out what was wrong with him either and so it's frustrating if they can't work it out you're like well yeah. I need I need to you need an answer don't yeah. you because then you know yeah. how to fix it and all you want is for your horse to be okay and it took six months to work out what was really? wrong with him and he was on box rest and then we tried walking him and and he wasn't hopping lame he was only three tenths lame yeah. So he could walk on it it was it was it started off one tenth lame so when I first felt it I thought and a lot of people said oh you can ride through that and I didn't yeah you kind of feel guilty though that exactly I think I was my naivety that was thinking well I don't want to I don't want to ride him through pain I want to make sure he's okay so um eventually I mean my vet was amazing they did the nerve blocks they did the x-rays they did the bit where they put in the radioactive fluid okay yeah to see inside he did everything and in the end he said I'm so sorry Amy 
I don't know what it is, but I do know this amazing lady up at Newmarket. She's a professor. Send him up there and um, see what she can do. So I took him up there and he, he was there for three days. And um, Professor Dyson is her name. Right. And within three days, she'd found out that he'd had an injury from a year before. So a oh, year okay. before I bought him. And she could tell that from the healing process. Yeah. And his front right leg was so severely damaged and nobody had helped him and nobody had taken him to a vet or, or given yeah. him treatment that his three ligaments in the front right leg have all wrapped around each other and infused together. Okay, not great. <laughs> so she said you can never ride him again. I know. That must have been heartbreaking. You you finally got your first horse and first horse, love riding him. out there. Oh, it was it was absolutely devastating. So I'm, you know, crying. I'm, you know what? I do love vets. My vet is amazing, <laughs> but he's got a very dry sense of humour, and um, and doesn't handle emotional women very well either. Can you imagine? <laughs> so I'm crying on the phone, saying, "This is what she said," and I just don't want that. And I love him, and I want him to be okay. And um, he said, right, go back in, because I was still at Newmarket. He said, go back in and, and ask her, will he be field sound? Will he be okay in the field or will he be in pain? If yeah. he's field sound, then we'll pop him in a field and see how he gets on. So I went back in and said, you know, is he field sound? Um, will he be okay walking around? Will he be in pain? Because ultimately, I don't want him to be in pain. And mm-hmm. Professor Dyson said, he'll be absolutely fine, just wandering, walking around. Go and do that. But just make sure that his leg doesn't hook up over time because the okay. ligaments might get tight and it might hook up yeah so anyway that that made me feel a bit better and I thought I'm not going to put him down just because I can't use him again or I can't no, ride yeah. him like he's my forever horse so I put him in a field and my vet came and assessed him and we did a bit of physiotherapy and and it took two years and this year in April my vet did another assessment on him and said he has it's like a miracle he's healed so much that you can get back on him oh wow that must have been great (laughs) it was insane hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Although I went, I'm too scared to because I don't want to hurt him. 
Oh, I can imagine, yeah. So, <laughs> I could probably be the same. <laughs> so the injury, although the injury will never heal itself, like the ligaments will never sit back together in the no. right way. And she even said with an operation, she couldn't unfuse them and fuse them back together. Um, over the two years rest with him walking, I mean, he was out in the field, so there's no stabling at all. With him walking, eventually he built up strength enough yeah. and enough muscle to be able to support it. So we've um, we've spent the last six months just taking it really steady, really slow, yeah. really steady. But it was interesting that you said that Paddy P can't canter because they all said to me, oh, well, he can't canter because he's a Frisian. Well, actually, he had a severe injury that was yeah. inside. So you do have to be careful. And sometimes, no matter how much due diligence you do, you still never know if they're going to tell you the truth because no, they exactly. told me they'd had him from a fall. But the nice thing is that, you know, Tinsel's doing well now as a broodmare. Yeah. And Blackjack's, well, blimey, he's so energetic now. He's so strong. <laughs> he's he's oh. very excitable. Um, <laughs> it's nice that, you know, there are people like us, I guess, that won't yeah. just bin them off because you can't no, certainly them. yeah that's what I often think if I hadn't got got Paddy like I wouldn't know where he might be he might be I mean he could have gone to someone that and done incredible things or he could have just been passed from home to home kind of thing for his his naughty behavior so well he's you lucky never know. to have you <laughs> yeah I don't think he always realizes it though <laughs> and what are your plans then up for, for the next season are you going to try competing well, again um, we're not sure. I mean, when I spoke to my physio last week, each year I've kind of, I've now decided, like, I bought him to show jump and then he chucked me off that many times. So I thought, okay, we'll give dressage a go. And <laughs> that didn't quite go the way I planned. <laughs> um, and each year I was like, he starts getting better. And so I'm like, oh, I might affiliate him. And then um, it doesn't seem to go that way. But we're looking into maybe doing a butte trial on him and see if that kind of makes him more comfortable. Yeah. Um, then maybe just get him out even if it's just to do like a couple of walk trot tests for, the, for now and then see if see if he can build up to to the canter and because ultimately you don't want him to be in pain no exactly so if there is an underlying issue then you, you just got to keep going until you can find yeah. it because that's the thing when he started playing up it was like in august that he really started to to play up again this year and um the first time i was like backed off straight away there's something wrong with him and I got people to trot him up and they were like no no there's nothing wrong at all you just need to push him through it um and so then I, I kind of got a bit tough and I was like look we're, you're gonna trot you're gonna do this now and then because he carried it on for like two months I started to get to the point where I was like is he actually just being naughty or is there something yeah something there that's bothering him and it's that guilty conscience that just nags away at you you never know what to do but well because you you know your horse and you have to listen yeah. to them and nine times out of ten there is a genuine reason that they're acting that way and yeah certainly I think your physio is right in that if it's gone on for this long he's got to be in pain somewhere yeah it's just like, a matter you know, of finding when I first it. got him everyone was like just keep pushing it through it's just it's just naughtiness and then like I it, I admittedly didn't get anyone like didn't get a physio or anyone to look at him until about three four years later and they said there was like deep tissue like kind of stiffness and stuff which would have been maybe making him a bit uncomfortable and I mean I knew from the previous owner she said that the saddle he had didn't fit him properly Mm. um so that caused a bit but ever since then it seems to get slightly you never know what's wrong but 
That's horses, I suppose. Well, good luck, Laura. I hope you managed to find out what it is in the end. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your experiences too. It's lovely to hear your stories. We have another guest coming up in a moment. His name is Matt Waterworth. And if there's anything you need to know about bits, he knows everything. He's known as the bit expert. Welcome, Matt. How are you? Good. Yeah. uh... This is your first ever Skype interview, isn't it? Yeah, I'm... uh... Learning all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand that you are the man to go to if you want to know anything about bits. Apparently so. <laughs> so. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you ended up getting into it? Um, it started in uh, 2002. It was uh, an ex-girlfriend's idea that she didn't want to work any longer and she wanted to get into somewhat horsey. And uh, so couldn't afford to start a tax shop. Or selling everything, so we ended up we bought a hell of a lot of bits to start with, and the idea was buy bits, sell a few, and start really uh, going further afield. But we got that far into the bits that we bought more brands of bits and more brands of bits, and it was just at a time when there weren't anybody really doing it, and nobody really looking that far into it, and uh, it seemed to be just when standard stainless steel were going out the window and people were starting to look at different brands but nobody really knew what the different brands were doing and to be honest we didn't Mm. um well that's the problem isn't mm. it you know as an equestrian we really struggle with knowing what the right bit is Mm because if you start from the basics which we know is a snaffle uh, from a very naive and amateur perspective anything harder than a snaffle i'm thinking automatically is going to hurt my horse yeah yeah. um but that's not the case i'm sure no it's um it's different with every horse and it's different with every aspect of what people, every discipline people are doing. So what you're doing really is just putting different pressures with different bits and really getting the horse to do what you want. But the secret really is that, well, that we found is that keeping it comfortable in the mouth with not putting too many point pressures anywhere or, or really just people get are a bit naive to what it's actually doing. So it, they might mm. go into more, I wouldn't say harsh a bit, but that they don't know what they're doing. And because they don't know what it's actually doing, then they're not really putting the right effect. If you if you get with me, it's um, they don't realise no. the pressure or the effect that the bit's having. No, they just know it's supposed to do a job, but they don't really understand why or how the bit works. No, it's just because Joe Boggs said on yard that I use yeah. this, so they think oh, I'll use that. But when you start looking at confirmations and marrows and different traits of of different breeds, then you quickly find that your pelham might not be suitable for one horse is, is the other you might need to go some horses like something looser something like more fixed and it's a lot of research that we did in the early years of advising that well literally the the faster we learn the less less it cost us because we we're doing bit trials at the time so if we what's a bit trial um the business i used to have we used to do trials so you'd basically rent the bit for a month if it worked you'd buy it if oh wow if if it didn't you send it back I bet you can't do that now, though, for health and safety. I bet there's all laws and regulations that state once it's been used, you can't send it back. Um, no, there's there's more and more bit banks opening up all the time. Um, they all have to be clean and stuff. You do have to be very careful, but it's something that, that I get out of personally. Um, but there is a hell of a lot of people doing it these days. It's, um, mm. it's, it's handy uh, when bits are costing 80, 100 quid for you. Few common stuff then the, the bit trials aren't really worth it. for a 20 quid bit it might cost you 15 quid to try it um mm. but yeah especially for your 
more expensive stuff these days. The uh, trials are really beneficial for people. Well, like you said earlier, that, you know, our, our community is a bit of a nightmare of everybody thinking they know that their way is right. Mm-hmm. So someone at the yard would say, well, you need a French Lynx bit or you need this or you need that and and actually it might not be right for their horse yeah. so what would you say to somebody that is considering getting a new bit it, that needed some advice yeah, it's just a process we go down the first question i always ask is what breed is it um mm-hmm. there is a lot of so-called experts out there um i call myself the business expert but i'm just a knowledgeable person on it um if we did a lot of research into what would it do we we gathered a lot of information on why bits weren't working, and you start to see you start to see traits in breeds, in disciplines, um, and it's a lot of information we gathered that a lot of pe- other people aren't using these days. So, like what what sort what sort of information did you find that that we're not privy to? One that's that's really popular at the moment. I tend to go through um, through like stages of uh, you'll be bombarded by warm blood uh, questions or. Irish sports are questions at the moment. It's fifty yeah, percent of questions are asked are on uh, on thoroughbreds. And uh, for oh. instance, your thoroughbred mouth is a lower palate, not a big tongue, no fleshy lips. But what you do find is that they don't like fuss. They don't like point pressure on the roof of the mouth because they've got a lower palate. Anything that has a lot of action in it acts straight on the roof of the mouth. Mm-hmm. So like you, your thoroughbred likes something that's still in the mouth and isn't gonna. Like a single joke's going to put the uh, pipe pressure straight on the roof of the mouth then. You threw it going to like it, so keep it simple, still, and uh, and generally not single-jointed, and you're, uh, you're going in the right direction. And by single-jointed, you mean, because we're really going back to mm-hmm. basics here, single-jointed is just one joint in the middle yeah, yeah. of the metal bar. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and and how does that? So that means that the horse then feels more comfortable because it's not it's not anything fancy. No, no, it's no, no. When, you, when you take up the contact, the the bit starts to fold in half, and the the, the point in, in the middle there's of the, of the single joint starts to act on the roof of the mouth. It starts to act on the on the lips and the bars as well. But your uh, your thoroughbred because it's got a lower palate, it'll start to act, act there first. That's when you usually get a bit of head tossing. They quite often put their tongue over the bit as well, don't they, thoroughbreds? Um, yes and no. They've got as thick as the tongue, so it's usually an aversion to tongue pressure is uh, putting the tongue over the bit. Um, you Thoroughbreds are a lot of time throwing the head about, really fussy in the mouth. Um, but, yeah, throwing the tongue over is just a, an aversion to tongue pressure, so that's probably mm-hmm. the bit acting on the, the edges of the tongue, so the one way to get away, away from it is... Uh, Put the bit, the tongue over the bit. You don't even think about stuff like that. Like literally, <laughs> you know, I have a horse, but I, you know, I only got one three years ago, so I'm very much early stages, and I'm learning stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's so much to think about, and there's so much information coming in all directions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say because each horse is different, we know each breed is different, and what job they need to do, I presume you have a different bit for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's say you've got your basic, your basic thoroughbred, as we were talking about thoroughbreds, that doesn't have any any issues. What bit would you recommend for them? Um, usually, straight off the cuff is uh, depend. Well, at the end of the day, it depends what someone <laughs> wants to uh, spend. But a simple thoroughbred, I put straight in a, a mile of comfort snaffle. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't bend enough, so it doesn't start putting. Uh, Loads of pressure on the on the on the lips and bars. It doesn't bend in half, so it's putting a, a point pressure on the roof of the mouth. It's got a nice barrel in the middle, so it doesn't irritate the palate either. 
that's what you if you get if you have thoroughbreds that are really fussy in the mouth, it's usually because you've got something like a French link or a lozenge that's uh, that's too loose in there, so it starts to irritate and you just got to get fussy in the mouth and let's say head shaking, head tossing. Is the usual ones you get from the thoroughbreds. So, would you say that would be the same? The same type of bit would be good for a youngster, then. Yeah, yeah but again, it depends on the breed. So, uh, your copy types will like a lot of looseness because they're thicker in the mouth, um, more fleshy. They like a loose. They like it looser. So, going back towards okay. your French links and your your lozenge. So, what's the difference between a French link and a lozenge? Uh, your French links like um, a flat plate, really like uh, similar to a figure of eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, your lozenge is. As it says on tennis, it's like a lozenge. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a rounded version, so it don't put uh, it, it puts less of a point pressure as the plate puts on the uh, on the tongue. Have you got horses, Matt, yourself? Uh, my wife has uh, two. So I guess she's forever saying there are no issues with her horse's mouth. No, no, <laughs> like no, the no, no. They're the only ones that don't get started. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, she's been she's been mad at me for uh, for months now to sort. Uh, share about with uh, her, uh, a cob we've just changed a bit but um yeah she's the one that well i never i never really watch her or she just like mumbles away that it's not right she i said write me an email telling me what's wrong but she just <laughs> complains that i'm not sorting it oh. and uh she's not daft herself but yeah it's the one that gets forgotten about what does she do with hers with her horses nothing much because we've had uh Noah that's three and then Theo's come along four months ago so she hadn't really rode properly for the last oh. um, three years. Oh, bless um, her. Well, congratulations. Thanks very much. <laughs> no sleep then, you're knackered, eh? Yeah, he's just, uh, he just, uh, Theo's just starting to uh, sleep more and now Noah, it's three, he's decided that he gets up for wheeze at night and he got up at five o'clock oh. this morning, so. Oh no, so just as you get one rest in, you've got the other one the whole time. <laughs> Let's go on a little bit further to more technical, more difficult horses. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to be a little bit selfish here because <laughs> I've been having major issues with mine. I've got a, a six-year-old Frisian cross Delanda mm-hmm. who has just learned to buck and rear. Lovely. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Yeah, yeah. No. I like four feet on the ground, Mrs. Safety, <laughs> you know. Um, but I've had his teeth checked. He's had his wolf teeth checked. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not the bit, but I think I need to work through the rearing. But what I'm interested to know is lots of horses feel like when they're feeling strong and they're getting a bit more confident and like on hacks, he's going out and he's feeling like he's he's ready to have a bit of fun. I really want him to stay soft in the mouth, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking, should I be considering another bit to help control or are there other things that I could do? What we first look at is, are they comfortable now, sir? When you're schooling and just doing your general work, they might not be putting too much pressure onto the bit, so not causing too much point pressure. So if there is a problem there, it may not be showing it as much. So when you do start going out hacking or you're in a group and they start getting a bit exciting, they start to put more pressure on the bit. So if there is any pressures that they don't like, then that's when they're going to show. So if they start thinking, I don't start, I don't really like this, they'll start to go against it. And then you've got catch twenty two that you're you're thinking stop and they're going I'm going against that pressure you're putting on, so it might be I say tongue pressure or bar pressure and the bit that you've got hasn't really exerted that much pressure before but now you're in company they're excited they're putting a lot more pressure on on the bars or the lips mm-hmm. and they're going to start to go against it and so 
you're trying to hold them back and they're trying to run through the pressure. So if you get them comfortable in the mouth to start with, try to try to match the bit with the mouth conformation. Then when you do try and when you are in these situations and you're trying to put more ask ask more really and not put more pressure on, um, mm. then you know that you're going to put the pressure on that are needed to start to bring them back and get them a bit more collected rather than them getting excited and not liking the pressure that's on the mouth and trying to run through it and you're pulling back even harder and they're trying to run through it even more. Then it's just, then you're in a no-win situation. If you've got the right bit to start with and not, as I say, not putting any unwanted pressures in the mouth, mm. then you're sort of onto a winner that that's when people start to really overbit over the horses because they think, oh, they're really strong. I'm going to put them in a pet like go straight to a Pelham or a Cheltenham gag or a big mm. American gag, something like that. And and all they're doing is fighting against the pressures that they've already started to put in the mouth that might not be there if you start to change the bit. So it's okay to stay with a, a soft, gentle bit then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of time when we get people that have come to us that tried all sorts of pelhams and doubles and stuff just say go back to basics a lot of people don't want to do it because they're a bit scared of going out with a snaffle after you've complicated matters so much if you go back to a snaffle that's going to suit the mouth you might not need to exert as much pressure as what what you were doing in the pelham or the double or the fancy gag that they've got in um so yeah going back to basics is usually a good way or getting rid of all the uh nasty nose bands and stuff that people start to put on go back to a standard caverson and uh, just start from from basics again it's usually a good way around to do it yeah. especially if you've you've had a lot of problems and you've tried a lot and you've gone through a lot of bits and you've you've ended up at far end well you'd almost think i'm quite lucky because everything's still very early days very basic mm-hmm. you know it's, he's on the lightest snap or he's on the lightest nose band but a lot of people do go through those i'll just change the bit i'll just automatically you know get his back checked get his teeth yeah. checked get everything checked and then it's the bit yeah. and they'll just go stronger and stronger and stronger mm-hmm. but actually what you're saying is you don't necessarily do need to go stronger you can work through it with the right fitting bit yeah yeah just come back to basics and start to think start to think what's happening in the mouth are they chunky if they're chunky in the mouth then you don't want the, the wider the joint in the middle of the bit the more it's going to follow the conformation in, in the mouth so if they're chunky it's going to fa- it's going to follow that ni- a, a nicer shape through the mouth rather than your um your single joint just just squeezing the colored nutcracker action because you're just squeezing everything together from from the center of mouth you're squeezing if they've got a chunky tongue the corners of the tongue the lips a lot of time you'll you'll see bruised lips or if you open the mm. if you open the mouth up their uh, the edges of the tongue will be bruised that's just from pressure acting on the corners all the time so widening that that joint in the middle and going towards something double jointed you're relieving uh, there's not as much pressure there exerted on the bars and things like that is a minefield, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a complete minefield. But but you know, you people can come and see you, can't they? And they can say, Look, this is my horse, this is the breed, the age, what I want to do with him and, and you'll happily give them advice on, on the best thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we do uh, daily. But um yeah, going it's hard over email, not seeing the horses me saying have they got a chunky tongue and them saying yes but they might they haven't seen this wide spectrum of how chunky things can get so over email and people sending pictures and things it, it is hard uh, at the end of the day it's easy to go and see someone but you can't cover length of breadth of country can you so no because you're up in yorkshire yeah, aren't yeah. You? well um you know horse hour the guys have been asking some questions mm-hmm. 
they've been great so i'm gonna <laughs> put me on the spot <laughs> put those yeah oh, you'll be fine i'm gonna put some of those questions forward for you so pro equine grooms have said should your horse eat whilst wearing a bit no reason why not as long as you're not in the middle of a dress <laughs> test then it'll be fine <laughs> So it's okay then. It doesn't. It doesn't affect them eating or breathing. And no, anyway. it might get stuck on a bit halfway through, depending what they're eating. But needs a bit of a clean yeah. afterwards. It's important to clean your bit after, isn't it? Yeah, you don't want too much muck building up on there. Then uh, yeah, keep it nice and clean. Um, Cecile says, "Can wiggling my fingers help get my horse on the bit?" So before before we ask that question, on the bit, there's a bit of debate between being in contact and being on the bit. Would you say they're the same thing? Um, it's an hard question because everybody has a different... It's hard to tell somebody what it is or everybody has a different opinion of what it should feel like and you don't know what they're feeling. Um, mm. So it is an hard one to, to answer. Um, basically, I'd say, yes, they are the same. Um, but you don't know what people people's ideas are, are, are of either. So again, well, what's the, what's the main what's the main job of the bit? When you think of the bit, I, again, I think okay, it does loads of jobs, but initially, as a real basic rider, it was to make the horse stop. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, to, it's it to, to ask have the a little right bit questions control. of the horse to do what you're yeah. what you're asking. Um, so bringing the head down, bringing the head up, tucking the chin in, etc. That's that's the basic functions. What what your bit can do. Then you've got as you can see, you, you can put curb pressure on. Um, when you've got shrink, you're putting pole pressure on, some bits put nose pressure on, and all these different pressures are just asking different things. So it's getting the right combination for you to ask to do the right things. So I guess then the wiggling your fingers, there's a certain technique to it to bring your horse into contact. Yeah, yeah and every, every horse reacts different to wiggling your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if it, if it works, it works. A lot of horses, it might not work. As you said, thoroughbreds like stillness, so wiggling fingers and wiggling the bit they might not appreciate different breeds react against different different actions that you do so i guess everyone's goal should be to have a light mouthed horse rather than a, a heavy you know a strong horse yeah but you can't really reason with horses especially mares <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's yeah the aim of, of what we do is to try and get them as light as possible by as i said meeting all these traits and confirmations and things like that so we're trying as best to get there but if it's about them allowing you to what are your thoughts on a chiffney uh old-fashioned because there's been a lot of negative press about chiffneys yeah 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 um yeah they're an old they're old-fashioned bit um do they hurt the horse they are thin they are thin and when when they are for being used then there's there's going to be a lot of pressure there so the wrong yank or yeah they can be used in the wrong way but um was, uh, they are old-fashioned, I think. And I think we're starting to see the back of old-fashioned bits slowly away, especially in the last, what if I've been doing it for 13 years. Next 13 years, I think you'll uh, see even less and less of the old uh, old-style bits, like Kimberwicks and things like that, starting to go out and mouthing bits with uh, massive links in the middle. There's not as much call for them as what people ask for anymore, so I think things like that will, will, start, to, will start to see the back of. There'd be more plastic ones. Um, problems with plastic ones are usually really chunky. So when you you yeah. do have horses that don't have much room in their mouth, they, they might seem nice because they're the softer than metal. But you're banging a standard bit sixteen mil thick. You're banging something that's probably twenty four mil thick in the mouth. So you, you're putting a lot more in there. Why don't they just make them the same size then? <laughs> that, that to me would yeah, be yeah. the most logical explanation. Um, 
I think a lot of it's, well, I think it's a lot of it's down to how they've always been made. So no one's uh, changing much, but there's not many thin plastic bits on market. Plus they have to have a, a metal bit down the middle for the strength at the end of the day. So they are coated. So within the coating, the less amount of time they'll uh, they'll work. Well, well, Becca Lowen says her horse keeps chewing through his straight bar happy mouth. Mm-hmm. And he won't take any metal bits. Have you got any suggestions? Um, try a warmer metal, uh, one of the brandy bits. Well, sorry, a warmer, a warmer metal. metal. So if you ever see the gold coloured bits, or, or a copper yeah. bit, gold, gold colours you would do copper alley. So the warmer in the mouth, have a warmer feel. They, they help them salivate because of the copper content. Um, but yeah, try going to something that's, that's a warmer metal rather than uh, your stone cold stainless steel stuff. Okay, that's good. But why don't they just make them all warm metal? Why do we have the stainless steel and the, and the plastic? Uh, basically for uh, cost of production and what, and what ah. we've always known. Yeah, and that's why you all your branded stuff that comes at a premium cost. They've got a lot of design in there, and it's not as simple as putting a bit of copper in. There's uh, there's all different mixtures of metals in there. So there's a lot of people on on uh, the horse hour Twitter tonight that are saying that their favourites are Happy Mouth loose rings with a lozenge. Yeah. Um, is that a basic snaffle? Yeah, yeah, nice basic snaffle. Um, a lot of people are getting away from your single joints, so your your lozenges suit a lot more horses these days than uh, than your French links and your single joints. Probably the nicest of the, uh, the plastic bits is the um, the lozenge version. Okay, and then the equinery says, quick question, if you don't mind, Matt, what's so special about the nath mouthpiece? All my horses seem to love them. Well, what is a nath? Another plastic brand. A lot more uh, rubbery than your normal happy mouth and flex and things like that. They're a lot more plastic. Uh, they're a lot more supple, and they do come in not as thick thicknesses. So depending on what you've what what she's using or what she's got, it's probably it's on the nicer side of the uh, the plastic bits or the rubber bits. So out of all the bits, then what would be your favourite? Depends what horse I'm bitting. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm bitting it for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a particular favourite. No, there's not one that you find you, you tend to recommend more than the others. Uh, for a good all-rounder, you've got your, your universal cheek. It's like a squashed uh, three-ring gag. Uh, use it for. You can use it as a snaffle. You can drop your rein down. It's a good all-rounder. That's the one with that's got three rings on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's a three-ring gag, which is basically two small rings above and below a normal snaffle ring. Your, your universal's like squashed into that. So your uh, your top and bottom ring sort of incorporated in the middle ring, but yeah, that's it's a good all rounder that pops up a lot. But to me, a gag still sounds really quite harsh. Um, isn't it? The more you the the more distance you start to put between your uh, your cheek and your rein, or your mouthpiece and your rein is uh, is more pressure than you're going to exert. But if you just need to start listening, just put that little bit of pressure on. Then Universal's just giving that little bit of pressure and uh, not going to full-on gags that are like she showed up in that have like a four-ring gag, as I call it, where your uh, your rein is a long way below your, your mouthpiece, so it's putting a lot of pressure on. But then again, the more pressure you put below there, more bar pressure you're going to put on, the more the, uh, the horse is going to lift its head up. So when you see your show jumpers we big gags, these because they want the horse to pick their head up and look at the jump and not, not be looking at the ground. So. Oh, that's interesting. Because you see a lot of old classical classical medieval riders and um, even Western riders, they have a bit that's about two inches below the horse's mouth. Yeah, yeah, your Western stuff uh, can be really long. Uh, don't know why, because the, uh, <laughs> they don't use the remains <laughs> much. But... <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like you're uh, the, the more you go below the the uh, the mouthpiece, you've got more leverage on the bit. So to, for actually, for as long as they are loose and and chilled out and not putting any yeah, pressure not, on their horses, they are actually putting quite a bit on without. Yeah, if they're not. If, it doesn't take a lot to put a lot of pressure on with a long shank. There must be places that you've been, because you've been all over the country and to loads of shows, that you've thought, oh my God, I need to get that bit out of that horse's mouth. That poor horse, like it's going to be in agony. Um, and you've wanted to do something. Have you ever done that? I'm not, 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 <laughs> maybe I should start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I tell you, you, you see it a lot with um, top riders, to be perfectly honest, but they can't be told anything. Oh really? Yeah, we uh, when I were at Burley, we had uh, mm. we had someone come on the uh, stand. They had a um, a rubber pelham that was split, and they wanted to uh, replace it. But she wanted exactly the same bit because she's superstitious and she was going around cross country. And if she couldn't find it, she'd use the, the split one that was split down to the wire. No. Mm. So, but I, I can't tell somebody that's doing a four star event that they're doing it wrong. Well, you can if it's going to mm. hurt the hurt. I can, but they want no. So, did you get find a one exactly? The no, same? no, we didn't. We, we didn't. Ca- we didn't carry what she wanted. So, off she went. So, but <gasps> she didn't ride it with a split bit. Unless she found one. Oh no! See, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Some people just don't think about the horse welfare, do they? It's all about the competition. Oh, no, it's before and it'll work again, and that's what they do before. So, if it's not broke, don't change it. But. It's difficult for you because you're the professional, so you you can only say so much. Mm. Me, I'd be going, you nasty, <laughs> be <That's cute> professional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at all times. So, is there anything on the market at the moment that you would say one hundred percent avoid? There's no need for it. There's never been any need for it. It's either too strong or it's not actually going to do anything. I'd say no. There's in your standard collection of bits and. Apart from some of the really old ones, twisted, there are twisted wire that are so sharp and they nip and things like that. Then, but you don't really see them anymore. But Matt, surely that should be off the market because that's just going to cause horses pain. And and ultimately, our goal is to work with the horse and it all to be gentle and soft. And I know that things need to be a little bit harder for the the, the horses that need that. But we never actually want to exert pain on them. No, we don't know. Um, some people do, and People might not be selling them in tax shops and online and things like that, but you've got things like eBay these days that has everything on it. So if somebody wants it, they'll be able to find it, or not necessarily from this country. And uh, it's again, it's, it's just being a bit ignorant to what the bit's doing, I think, that why they want to use it, because they think they've got a thin bit, they want something sharp, so they'll go even thinner, not thinking what it's going to nip or pinch or squeeze. And... They're just thinking it needs to be a bit sharper, sort of thing. So that's why I think people go down that route, especially. And again, it's usually more more professional riders and people that ride to a higher level that, that more or less think they know what they're doing. But again, they're just a bit ignorant to what it's going to actually do to the horse's mouth. So actually, the thinner the bit, then the the harsher it is on the yeah, inside you, of the you, mouth. You're, you're putting the same amount of pressure with your hands uh, with mm. a thicker bit. You've got less surface area, so it's just going to be sharper. So if you want a soft mouth, then you go for a thicker, thicker bit. Uh, yeah, but then again, back to <laughs> traits and things like that. And <laughs> yeah. Confirmations that thicker you go, then you have got less room in the mouth. So then again, if you got to put put a thick bit in with something that's got a big tongue, then you're going to be clamping the tongue down. Uh, people think it's nice to have your horse salivating and drooling. Uh, sometimes mm. it's because 
the tongue's pinned down and they can't swallow the, the slaver. It's amazing, Matt. Thank you so much. No I think I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I think my brain is baffled now. So, you, you, okay, if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? Contact me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what is your twitter at the bit expert thank you so much for joining us you'll be getting loads of tweets now going with the pictures <laughs> yeah i need to move a few more hours in there i think <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate your time matt thanks so no much problem. thank you, See you later. bye 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 Thanks so much for listening. I already can't wait to speak to you next week because we've got an expert on nutrition from Rittle College. So that's going to be really good. And don't forget, you can share your stories, talk about your charity, your business or your event at hashtag horse hour on Twitter. It's every Monday. All you've got to do is include the hashtag horse hour in your tweet. And that's between 8pm and 9pm UK time. So I'll speak to you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.